0: All right, well, good morning, Grace Hill Church. You can go ahead and have a seat. It's good to see everyone. Happy Easter to you, and it's so good to see everyone here gathering uh, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Now, here's the deal. If you have kids in your lap or if you have kids running away and you're one of those parents that you're kind of holding your breath, especially during this time as I'm about to speak for a little bit, uh, just let your breath go. If they make noise, it's okay. My four and three-year-old will be a part of it. It's okay. The sounds of the kids in this room, honestly, it's it's a beautiful thing. And uh, we usually do two services a year where we bring everybody inside—Christmas and Easter—and so we love it. Um, we love having the kids with us. And so, if they're running around or wiggling, making noise, don't worry about it. Kids, we'll have moon bounces for you in just a little bit. Okay? All right. They're coming. All right, so contain the energy just for a little bit. <laughs> anyway, good morning. My name's Alan, by the way. I'm one of the pastors here. If this is your first time visiting us here at Grace Hill Church, we just, I'd love to be able to meet you after uh, the service. As we said, we're going to have a big barbecue afterwards, and so that'll be a great time just to chat and to get to know you uh, as well. So, and thanks for making your way over here to Herndon Middle instead of the uh, town green. So last December, uh, my wife and I, my family, we bought um, a home here in the town of Herndon. We've been living here for a while, but renting. And the home that we bought, it's an old split-level house up the trail here, and it's about 40 years old, so it's got some age to it. And our home, it's it's starting to show its age, and it's starting to show its condition. So my wife and I, we have now come under the curse and blessing of homeownership. Uh, About a month after we moved into our house, we had a windstorm come and it knocked the fence over, so we had to replace that unexpectedly. Two weeks ago, HVAC totally went out, um, so we had to replace HVAC. That's not cheap, Um, so that's done. I'm working on updating two of our bathrooms right now, and as I was trying to replace a shower faucet, um, it revealed behind the wall some big problems, Uh, so we had to get part of the bathroom uh, repiped. but that's that's Okay. But it it, it seems like every small project that I embark on this house, whether it's replacing a light fixture or something, when I get behind the wall, when I kinda look underneath the surface, I I see the true condition of of the house. And, And every project that is supposed to be quick and easy turns into something that's very long and very expensive, it seems like. And so this past weekend I was working on one of the bathrooms, getting some things, Uh, Done, and I was. It was supposed to do just a very simple project that was not going to take long, but it ended up taking all day long. And and in my frustration, this this frustration bubbled up, and I yelled out, "Why does nothing ever work for me?" (laughs) Luckily, my wife was out of town, so she didn't hear it, but my kids did, and they were wondering what was wrong with me. Now, here's the thing: I was being dramatic. I let frustration take over. We're incredibly blessed to have a comfortable home here in the town of Herndon. But here's the thing. I think inside all of us, there exists this place in our gut where that question dwells. A certain place where we have this frustration, maybe some pain, maybe some brokenness or hurt from life. And every once in a while, it it just comes out and, and we want to know, why does nothing ever seem to work? Why do things not go the way they are supposed to go? Why does it seem like so many people are hurting in this world? Why is it so hard to make ends meet? Why won't that person change? Why am I always so depressed? Why do I get so anxious around other people? Why is my marriage the way it is? Or why am I so lonely? Why can't I get a better job? Why can't I be like that person? And when those questions come out, you could be like me and say like, ah, I'm just being dramatic. I need to think positive. Ignore the negative in my life. And and here's the thing. Let's just be real for a second. Thinking positively, it's a healthy habit. It's a good thing to do. Nothing wrong with that. But in reality, Positive thinking is just a band-aid. It's not a solution. We live in a world where things go wrong, where things decay and break down, where we do experience real hurt and pain and frustration, and sometimes all positive thinking is doing is sweeping stuff under the rug or pushing that question down deeper into our gut, that question that wants to know why. Why is the world the way it is? And guys, we all have this question in us because we all desire a world that is whole, not broken. A a place free of corruption and injustice, free of pain and sickness, free of anxiety and stress, where relationships are whole, a world where our bodies are whole, a world where our days are fully satisfying. That is the world that we all want, but it's not the world that we live in. There is something inside of us that knows that the world we experience isn't right. There's a conflict inside of us between the world that we want and the world that we experience today. And I want you to understand something. We spend the majority of our lives trying to escape the world that we experience and get ourselves to the world that we want And that's where I want us to take us to the Bible this morning. Because here's what the Bible is going to do. The Bible is going to invite us to the world that we all want. But it's going to warn us that there's only one way to get there. And so I want us to read from Isaiah 55. Dan read Isaiah 55 for us earlier. And I want us to walk through this text together. So you'll see these verses on the screen behind me. But look at Isaiah 55 1 with me. It says this, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. So the Bible is inviting us to this world and it's envisioning this world for us where everything that we desire is there. It's using this analogy of food And saying that we can come and enjoy what we need, milk, and what we desire, wine, with no price. It's a vision of a place where the desires of our heart are fulfilled. And it's freely given to us, no cost to us whatsoever. But look at the first part of verse 2. It asks us a question. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which does not satisfy? Earlier I said that we spend the majority of our lives trying to escape this world, to get to the world that we want. And this is what I'm saying when I say that, that we consume things in this world that do not satisfy our souls, but we expect them to satisfy our souls. Uh, To continue with the food analogy, we eat cardboard and we expect it to taste like bread and nourish our bodies like bread. So maybe it's something like wealth. We, we think wealth, if I amass more wealth, that will deliver me from this world to the world that I want. It will solve my problems. I will finally feel satisfaction and peace. Or maybe we think that's health. If my body was better, more healthy, I didn't have this sickness that I'm dealing with, that is going to take me to the world that I want. It will solve my problems. My soul will be well-nourished then. Or we could say it's gaining influence, climbing the ladder at the company, being in a relationship, having kids, having kids that behave, buying a house, moving to a new city, moving somewhere that's cheaper, people applauding for you, whatever it is. We look to these things and it's like cardboard. We're consuming it hoping that it will answer the questions and it will satisfy our souls, but it just does not nourish. And so the more we eat of it, the hungrier we get. Because it's not that these things are bad. It's only when we look to these things to nourish our soul when they become bad. Because they control us. We obsess over these things. We starve ourselves. And there's a cost to all of it. And that hunger in our belly, it just grows and grows because we've been feeding on cardboard and not true bread. And so this is what verse two continues to say for us. It says this, listen diligently to me. Eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Eat what will nourish your souls. But he's gonna tell us, but listen, there's only one place to get this type of food. In verse three, he says, incline your ear. Come to me, hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. All right, well, that might be confusing to some of us. Let me kind of help us understand what the Bible's doing here. King David was Israel's greatest king in the Old Testament, and God made a promise to David that there will be another king after him in his line and that king will be the king to bring the world we all want. That king will be the king to bring the kingdom of God. And so what Isaiah 55 is doing is saying that this place that he's inviting you to, it comes through that king that was promised to David. And that king that was promised to David and the king mentioned here in Isaiah 55 is Jesus. He is the one who can take us to the world that we all want. So fast forward to your Bible to the time of Jesus. He comes on the scene, he's walking around, and he's preaching, and what is Jesus' message? The first thing that Jesus, he preaches, Matthew chapter four, verse 17, it says this. Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus announces that he is the one that can bring this kingdom, He is the one that can take us to that world, that place that is described here in Isaiah 55. But something unexpected happens in Jesus' life. At least it was unexpected to Israel, who was thinking maybe is this the king that we've all been waiting for? About three years into Jesus' ministry, his own people turned on him. He was arrested, turned over to the Romans, and then executed for crucifixion. uh, via crucifixion, executed. Wait, this king is the one who's supposed to bring the kingdom of God. How, How is he executed? Maybe this isn't the guy promised to David in the Old Testament, but here's what we need to understand. In order for Jesus to bring the kingdom of God, and in order for Jesus to bring us all to the world that we all want, he had to defeat the very thing that broke the world in the first place. And that was our sin. See, when God first created the world, he created the world that we all want, that place that we long for and desire. But we, humanity, we had one problem with it. Here was our problem God was in charge. And we didn't want God to be in charge, we wanted to be in charge. And so we rejected God. And that's what we call sin. When we reject God's authority. And so now we know what the world turns into when we reject God's authority. We've all experienced it. And so when Jesus came, the first thing he needed to do was deal with this. He needed to deal with sin. God has said that the consequences to our sin is death and it's eviction from his kingdom, eviction from this world that we all want. But in God's mercy, he does something. He reaches out. He sends his son, Jesus, to die on the cross in our place to rescue us from our sin, to take on himself what we deserve for our rejection of God, taking on those consequences And so Jesus dies on the cross. He's paying off our sin, paying off that debt. And when he's done paying it all off, when the work is finished and complete, he rises again from the grave, alive, paying off sin. He dealt with the problem that broke the world in the first place. And so here's the deal. It is the risen Christ who is the one who was able to take us to this world that we all want. It is the risen Christ who can bring the kingdom of God and has the power and ability to make all things new. That song we just sang, no weeping, no hurt or pain, no suffering. That's the place that Jesus wants to take us to and he has to deal with our sin first and that's what he did on the cross and his resurrection. And this is Jesus' message to us this morning. Come, come follow me. It is Through me, it's through me, Jesus, that you can be right with God. It is through me that you can live for eternity in the world that we all long for. When I went to the cross, your sin went to the cross. And just as I have risen from the grave, you will rise from the grave in this kingdom, in the place where your soul will live and you will eat what is good and delight in rich food. Jesus invites us. Jesus has done the work. The question is this, will we respond? Will we come to him as Isaiah 55 invites us to? And in verses six to nine of our passage this morning in Isaiah 55, the writer helps us to understand what it actually looks like to follow Jesus, to come to him. I want you to see this. Look at verses six and seven. I'm gonna give you two things Verse six, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly, look at this word, pardon Uh, The the first thing we must do to respond to Jesus is seek him while he can still be found and receive from him compassion and pardon from our sins. You know, it's interesting if you look back at uh, verse one in Isaiah 55. It says, come, look at this, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. It says, he who has no money, come, what does it say, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without price how, how do you buy something with no money how do you buy something if it has no price doesn't that just mean that whatever you're getting is free the answer is no there is a cost there is a price attached to what Jesus is inviting us into, but it is Christ who paid the price on our behalf. It is Christ who has done the work. It is Christ who has stood in our place so we can eat good food and we can go buy and eat with no money and with no price. Listen, God does not require good works, moral living on your behalf as some sort of currency that you use to go buy these things from God. God doesn't work that way. You are invited to come without money and without price. God beckons us to trust in Christ to pay the price for us. And that, must, that means we must recognize that we are sinful and unrighteous and that we need forgiveness. We need Christ to pay the price for us. And if we will trust in Christ, God will pardon us of our sin and we'll be reconciled to him right with God but you have to seek Jesus while he can still be found because there will be a point where it's too late. The second thing he calls us to is here in verse eight and nine. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God calls us to seek him in Christ receive his compassion, receive his forgiveness, and then he calls us to follow him, to humble ourselves under his ways and his word. Because God is the one who knows what is best for us and what will bring us joy. And it's when we believe that we know better than God where sin begins to wreak havoc in our lives and in our world. That's how sin broke the world in the first place. Remember, what was our one problem with the world that God created? He was in charge. And so God calls us to humble ourselves and say, okay, you know what's best. I'm going to follow you and your word now. And it's when we follow Jesus where we begin to get a taste of what life in God's kingdom, life in the world that we all want actually is like. So I don't know where you're at this morning. I know there are many people here who have been following Jesus for a long time and There are probably people here, you're just not sure what you believe yet when it comes to Jesus. No matter where you're at, I believe the one thing that we all have in common is a desire for the kind of world envisioned here in Isaiah 55. I believe that we all have in common that there is something not right with this world. And so as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ this morning, we have to ask the question, Do I believe that the resurrection of Jesus is proof that it is Jesus and only Jesus who has the ability to rescue us from the brokenness of this world and deliver us into the world that we all want? And if so, if we believe that, will we respond to his invitation to us? His invitation to receive his forgiveness and compassion and to follow him. And so if that's you this morning, if you're in this place where you're, you're like, man, that's the next step for me, to respond to Jesus in that way, to ask for his forgiveness and to start to follow him, that, that starts by you simply praying to God from a, a genuine place in your heart and, and just saying something like this. It, it would be like this. You say, God, I, I recognize that I need you Like I genuinely recognize that. That I'm a sinner and I've looked to all kinds of things in the world to bring me joy and they don't deliver. I have sinned by rejecting you and I need forgiveness. And I know forgiveness is only found at the cross and my hope is only found in your resurrection. I believe in the cross, I believe in the resurrection and I wanna follow you for the rest of my life. Man, if that comes from a sincere place in your heart, then you'll begin a new journey with Christ. The Bible says that the old will be gone and the new will have come. You're you're a new creation. And so when I'm done here, just in the next minute, when our band's gonna end us, they're gonna end us in one last song this morning. We're gonna have some prayer ministers up front. And if you're just in that spot, you wanna pray through that, or if you have questions or whatever it is, or if you wanna accept that invitation, I just invite you, it could be during our last song or after the service or whenever it is, to come forward and and pray with one of our prayer ministers because we want to pray with you, to be with you as you respond. But I also want to invite you to our church here on Sundays. We meet here at 10 a.m. every Sunday morning right in this auditorium. We have a great kids program for all of the kids. And we're going to be starting a brand new sermon series next Sunday called King Jesus. And what we're going to be doing in that sermon series is we're going to be working through key themes of the Bible from cover to cover and looking at what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to hope in the kingdom that he's going to bring? What does it mean to say, God, you know what's better and I want to come underneath you? And so if you want to explore Jesus more, get more of your questions answered, just invite you To start attending on Sunday mornings as we work through this series, and everybody is welcome at Grace Hill Church, no matter where you're at with stuff. But where are you this morning? Have you accepted God's invitation to come to Him that your soul may live? If not, seek Him today while He can still be found. There's no reason to wait. And maybe this morning is the time to do that. And so I'm gonna pray for us right now and our prayer ministers are gonna come forward and they'll be up front. We're gonna end in a song and maybe this is a time where you can accept that invitation to Christ. Let's pray together. God, we want to just worship you this morning and praise you this morning that Jesus is alive, that the risen Christ is with you and he is our Lord, he is our Savior, that he has dealt with our sin, that he has taken care of the very thing that broke this world in the first place and he has given us all hope Hope that this world is not all there is. Hope that the brokenness that we experience in this world does not have the final say. And so, God, I just pray this morning for every single person in this room, whether they have been following Jesus or whether they are not following Jesus yet, Lord, I pray that you would fill their heart with hope this morning. Hope in the risen Christ. And Lord, if there's anyone here who does not know you, I pray right now in their hearts, you would speak to them. That you would invite them and beckon them to come and to give their lives to you. To receive compassion and forgiveness from you. And to surrender their life to you. Oh, because Jesus, we know that you are the one who can take us to that place that our hearts truly long for. And we all long for it, Lord, because you created us to be there. So, God, I pray you would do that work now as we end in song. We love you, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.